What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dennis Tian. Yes, I am a real doctor, but no, we aren't talking anything to do with medicine. We're talking NFL football and the New England Patriots. Joining me, as always, is the co-host, CEO of Hedge Better, Justin Fine. Justin, what's going on, man? You know, I'm doing, man. I'm doing. It's a day, uh, tough Monday morning for us Patriots fans around uh, around New England, and uh, we got a lot to talk about. We we got a lot to talk about. I think it was so fitting that that debacle of a game yesterday happened against Dallas because did you see the Facebook meme going around this week about how they arrested they arrested Tupac's murderer before the Cowboys made it back to another Super yes, Bowl? Yes. And what franchise is more symbolic of a dynasty fallen than the Dallas Cowboys? A team that had it for a brief period, yeah. lost it, and have never been able to get it back. And after the way that game went yesterday, you know, come on, that's what we're all thinking of today. I thought it was perfect. It was against the Cowboys. Symbolic. Yeah, it, it really was. But you know what? It to me, it just represented such a letdown in, in a lot of different ways. You know, but I think for us, we looked at those first three games of the season. We said, okay, first two games were tough games. Made a couple of dumb mistakes, but they should have won. They played. You know, they they, they competed. Um, then they finally go out and they get a win against the Jets roster that they needed, right? And it felt like you know, hey, maybe this was an opportunity to take things in the in the, in the right direction, and they just came out so flat and probably had about as bad of a day as you could think of for a Patriots team. I mean, I don't think many of us expected them to win that game, but, but I mean, it was the way that they lost and, yeah. and it wasn't just that they lost. It was that they were, they were like deep pants. I mean, they were literally outclassed Bad. badly in every way. And it makes you really just question the direction of the franchise. So let's get right into it, Justin. Let's just get right to the kickoff. Uh, we got a few Patriots topics. We're going to run through here. We're going to go, into some of the big decision points in the game and the breakdown after that. And then we're going to go around the league and talk about some places where things are better and maybe a few places that things are even worse than here. Let's start with the kickoff, Justin. The Patriots now have are officially off to their third straight one and three start as of after yesterday. Um, they, there is a bottom tier of the AFC, and the Patriots are in it. I'd put them in it with Denver, the Raiders, and, and the Jets, and I think I think that's really about it. Um, it looks like Vegas and their six and a half over under win total is looking more and more like they were right about this team. I mean, you know, they could still exceed that, but I mean, that doesn't really feel as far off as it as it did a few weeks ago. This team was completely completely outclassed yesterday, and it's very easy to point the finger at a bunch of different places, right? It's yeah. easy to talk about Mac Jones and kick him while he's down. We all know he played a terrible game yesterday. Mac Jones is a better quarterback than what he showed yesterday, but he played lousy. We know that. It's easy to, to point the finger in a lot of different places. The offensive line, the receivers, Bill O'Brien. You can point the finger in a... Anywhere. This all goes back to one simple place where it begins and ends. Bill Belichick. It's time to blame Bill Belichick and not just Bill Belichick, the GM, because we've all been blaming him for years. And this has been a steady decline in the performance of Bill Belichick, the GM, to the point where it's gotten really bad the last three or four years, right? And they, 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 their drafts are terrible. Their free agent signings are terrible. It's showing on the field. This team is not a talented team. Or if they are, they have glaring holes and spots that negate it. But Bill Belichick, the coach, 
How many times have we stood here over the last few years and said, he's still a great X's and O's coach? What I'm telling you today is that he's really not a great X's and O's coach anymore. That his game plans on defense and especially on offense are antiquated. The way he approaches the game is antiquated and it is killing this team. His philosophy, his GMing, the way he handles the locker room, the penalties, the lack of discipline, the mistake. These are four or five year trends with this franchise, this team right now in the on-field product and the off-field product. Bill Belichick is the problem with this franchise and I'm going to say it this is a crazy take, I'm sure to a lot of people, they are not going to win anything as long as Bill Belichick is the head coach of this team. Doesn't it sound so counterintuitive to say that? I would have never said that. I would have thought it was crazy to say that four years ago. I'm, I was a Belichick guy for 20 years. Yeah. But everything has its run and, and his time is up. Big time. I mean, you know, it was just super, it was super tough to watch. And, you know, you say to yourself, well, obviously coaching um, goes into it, right? I mean, my thing with you know my thing with when it comes to to blaming Bill is like look there there's plenty of things that I saw on the field yesterday that you can't blame Bill for right but you can blame Bill for what is on the field right like really that's what it comes down to you can blame Bill what are what are on the field and how have they been set up to succeed and you know it's very apparent that we don't have a a CD lamb, right? It's it's very apparent that we, uh, you know, as good as some of our guys are, you know, on defense, like you don't you don't have that. And I know Micah Parsons got hurt, right? But we don't have anybody who's as imposing as a, a Micah Parsons as we don't. And, and you know, it's as much crap as we give Dak. I looked at the way Dak played yesterday against us, and I said, wow, like. Did Dak really like separate himself that much from Mac Jones no, yesterday? No, he didn't. And and, and, every, and that's everyone's going to kick Mac Jones while he's down. That was the worst game of Mac Jones's career. Yeah, it's easy to do that. Let's look at the underlying root causes for why Mac Jones played so bad yesterday and why things aren't going so well for him. And it's not just as simple as Mac sucks. I mean, Mac may suck. I'm I'm done defending Mac Jones. I'm done making excuses for him. But at the same time, if you're not looking at the root causes of why his performance has has been in decline and why they're not winning games then you're just you're 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 being ignorant yeah i mean you know it's there's it'd be crazy to say that there's no correlation between the two you know what i mean like there's clearly uh a correlation between bill belichick and what we're seeing the results in the field um you know i do got to say obviously mac didn't play his best game yesterday but you know what like kind of like you said to what degree is it Mac's fault and to what degree is it, you know, him playing the hand that he's dealt? Well, I mean, I think he quit yesterday. We're going to, we're going to get it. That's the next topic we're going to get to, but, I, but I do think he quit. I mean, that Mac Jones is not as bad as he showed yesterday, but no. he just, he was, he got flustered. He got overwhelmed. He got, I, this is the bad word to say for a quarterback. He got rattled. He got yeah. rattled yesterday and he quit. And, and I think that they are in danger of losing this young player. But one of the big reasons why, Justin, is, I mean, look, we have sat here. It's been three offensive coordinators in the last three years, umpteen players, um, a couple different quarterbacks. It's been generally the same result. At some point, you have to point the finger on the Bill Belichick philosophies. And these are both on and off the field philosophies and say they aren't working anymore. Now, you just mentioned CeeDee Lamb as being something the Patriots don't have a CeeDee Lamb. Why don't they have a CeeDee Lamb? It's not because they couldn't get one. It's a philosophical choice. 
And it's right. a philosophical choice made from the way that Bill Belichick views and looks at the game of football that has passed him by. It's no longer working. It worked 10 years ago. It worked even five years ago. It worked 20 years ago. It doesn't work in 2023. And that's why I don't think it's ever going to work, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it's definitely trending in the wrong direction. It's, you know, look, my, my big thing is, and I'm sure we'll get to it, right? But, you know, you hate to see a team go up uh, against another team shorthanded, right? And I think when you look at the Patriots' injuries, especially the ones that continue to pile themselves on in the game, like, and the Patriots definitely didn't go up against the Cowboys full strength. But, you know, do you think even if they were full strength, do you think that would have made a difference? Because, I mean, you know. No. Full, be, them being full strength on defense, that doesn't account for what? Three interceptions, a, a fumble, you know, and those that all kind of comes back to the personnel, the game planning, you know, and, and so I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it's tough, a lot of holes. I mean, Be Belichick th still thinks that he can plug in anyone to play at wide receiver, yeah, and he can plug in any scrappy pieces to play on this offensive line, and the offense is going to be decent enough if they have good special teams and good defense to win. That that's his philosophy, and it's wrong. It's a wrong philosophy that isn't working anymore. It's not in, I mean, it's, it's clearly not, you know, look, I don't, I will say this as much as I want to sit here and blame Bill yesterday was a weird day to do it because I looked at Mac and I just said, wow, the, whose fault actually was it yesterday? I guess that's what I'm saying is yesterday was the first time where I thought to myself like, huh, you know, the, the last couple of times we saw, uh, you saw the, the Patriots struggle, it was kind of easy to point to Bill because Mac played really well those last couple, and you said, wow, you know, despite how good Mac played, they weren't able to come through and that's because of, you know, they don't have these guys and maybe some of this, the schemes and, and things like that. But yesterday made it tough because of how poorly Mac played. He didn't do himself any favors. Well, Mac played his worst game of his career yesterday. Yeah. There's no question about it. Mac Jones is proven through two plus years to be a wildly inconsistent player. And we've seen him have highs and we've seen him at lows. He's played great games. He's played terrible games. He's shown a habit for not being able to win games late. He's been all over the map. It's the job of the coach to get the best out of the players on his roster. Can you honestly say Bill Belichick has done that with Mac Jones? I mean, I, I, I would say the complete opposite, quite honestly, that Bill has in every way just minimize and diminish the, the the potential, whatever potential Mac Jones has. Yeah. I mean, that's why I go back to Belichick. Like I, you're right. Mac played terrible yesterday, but that you can't take that out of context. Like that was the product of a lot, a lot of pressure on Mac, bad offensive line, trying to make plays, trying to force it. Mac Jones isn't as bad as he looked yesterday, but he played terrible because there's nothing around him. Yeah, he did. He played terrible. There was, I mean, he really didn't have a lot around him. And, uh, you know, look, we, I mean, you know, look, we started, what was it, Vidarian Love at yep. right tackle yesterday? You exactly. know what I mean? So it's like, you and know, who you got look beat at, on the fumble, the strip sack? Was it, yeah, it was, was Vidarian yeah. Love. He yeah. got, and that was his guy. He barely touched him. He came in through the backfield and Mac was trying to escape him. Yeah. And don't forget the, the Pop Douglas play that happened like a few plays before that, that the, the 41 yard pass that they hit. That was a very similar play. Mac got away with it. Yeah. And then, and he tried to do it again. And he didn't, I mean, you can't have this kid. He's not that kind of player where you can ask him to, and I don't even think that's an indictment on him. I just think that's who he is. Joe Burrow, Brock Purdy, Tua Tagliavaloa. These yeah. are guys that are having tremendous success in the league. They can't do that kind of stuff either. Mac's not that kind of guy. It's not a skill set, but this team is so bad. 
that, that they're asking him to be that, it really, mean, I think, is, a, is Bill Belichick's failure. Do you think, Justin, that the Patriots quit yesterday? Because I really kind of felt, felt like, like they, they quit. It really did feel like they quit. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I it just felt like they packed it up. And, you know, I, one of the things that bothered me, and, and, and by the way, do we know the extent of Judon and Gonzalez's injury? It looks like Judon might be out for the year. That's what, and, yeah. And, and Gonzalez is four to six weeks. That's okay. the early so, reporting. Right there, Judon being out for the year. I mean, that's the ball game, folks. Right? Uh, it was actually funny because the 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 play that he got hurt on, Judon. Do you remember? Were you watching it live? Yep. When the play got hurt. Yep. Uh, do you remember uh, the Cowboys? They could sense that the Patriots had called it quits. Yep. They subbed their starting offensive lineman out. Right, and they were bringing in a sub on the offensive line yep. to take out Zach Martin. Right yep. there, their Pro Bowl guard. And I was thinking to myself, I said, well, I mean, if this game is over and the Cowboys are taking their starters out, what are the Patriots doing with their starters in there? Right. And on that very play, Judon Because wasn't down. the score like 30-something to three at that yeah. point? Yeah. I mean, game was already was already yeah. lost. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I just I just felt like they 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 lost very early on, that they just kind of lost their mojo. I mean, you could even argue they really didn't come out. To play yesterday. I mean, you could argue they kind of came out flat. You look at that first drive. They 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 really gave little to no def, um, resistance to the Dallas offense. They gave up a touchdown on the second drive. Uh, they were losing 10-3 when Mac fumbled and gave them a free touchdown. But I, I really felt like even just right from the beginning, they really weren't super ready to go yesterday. They were just kind of flat. They were, but you know what? Like it that first drive, like they had a chance to come down the field and take the lead. Like, you know what I mean? Like that oh, was yeah. a very promising drive. Like, yes, it was a good at, drive. Even after the drive stalled out, like, you know, they, they tied the game up. It was three, three Mac in the offense looked pretty good on the drive. Yep. And I said to myself, okay, you know, we're going to have a ball game. The defense held them. The offense went down and put up points. And then from that point, everything just fell apart. It's Everything. hard, but this is, I guess, what 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 my overall point is, and what, bringing up this topic is like it's hard to win games in 2023 with the chestnut checkers approach. Belich Belichick's core philosophy is we don't have to do anything flashy to win. We just have to not make a ton of mistakes. You'll make a few mistakes. We'll capitalize on your mistakes. We'll play we'll play the game cleaner than you, smarter than you, and we'll let you screw it up, and we'll still win. You know, 85 percent of the time, just based on that alone. I don't think that works anymore. I really Doesn't. don't. And I think that's part of, I think that's a huge part of the problem because like as much as um as much as we all crapped on Matt Patricia last year and I know I don't believe he's a good offensive coordinator. He was completely out of sync. It looks better with Bill O'Brien because it just looks like more of an NFL offense. The reality is the production has been worse through four games. Yeah. And and at some point you know, whether you, it's McDaniels, Matt Patricia, Bill O'Brien, at some point you have to look at the head coach for the offensive philosophy. Bill Belichick's the one that's setting the tone here. He's the one that's telling these guys what to do, how he wants to run. He's not like call, maybe not calling the plays, but he's setting the, the philosophy. He's setting the way that they approach the game. And, and I don't think that works anymore. I really don't. And you know, it's, it's funny too, to take it back to, you know, the, the play calling and some of the decision-making on offense. It's funny because going into this year, in dating back, you know, even since when we had Brady, we said that one of the things we always, you know, disliked, one of the things that bugged us about this offense was their uh, their unwillingness to be aggressive, right? Yep. This was, you know, they didn't like to take chances. Um, they were just, you know, very lagging in terms of being one of those teams in the league that were, you know, kind of playing the whole saber metrics and, you know, going forward on fourth down, all that stuff. Anyway, 
has it seemed to me, or is it just me, or every time this year that the Patriots have tried to be aggressive and gone for it, it's been in a situation where I've said to myself, why the hell aren't they kicking it? And every time that they've kicked it, I've said to myself, why the hell aren't they going for it? It just seems like they're 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 like trying to impersonate a team that's adopted this philosophy and they're doing it incorrectly. Well, when you have good players, things those things tend to work out. What you know what I mean? At the end yeah. of the day, if you're a good team, a winning team, you you make decisions and usually your players make them work for you. Uh, in this case, they don't have great players. So it just feels, I think, like a lot of times it's not working out. All right, that's Belichick. Um, let's talk about the quarterback because I am not absolving him at all from the da- disaster that was um, that was yesterday's performance from him. Before the ball was even snapped in Dallas yesterday, I watched the one o'clock games at home and I said to myself, at some point, Mac has to start doing things in his third season that I see quarterbacks across the league doing yeah. routinely. Look at what Anthony Richardson did yesterday, getting that game to overtime. I'm not sure I've ever seen Mac do anything like no. that. Look at what Sam Howell did for the Commanders. I'm not sure I've ever seen Mac do anything like that. Yep. You know, they didn't win those games, but they were right in it. At some point, we have to see that next level of play for Mac Jones. We haven't seen it yet. Yesterday was another failed opportunity for Mac Jones to show us that he could win a game that he maybe wasn't supposed to win. Maybe he was the underdog. Get back into a game. You fall down early and steal the game. Again, completely unable to do it. I'm starting to wonder if the Patriots have ruined Mac Jones. Okay, we've talked over the last two years about the master class, the master class the Patriots have conducted over the last three years and how to ruin a young quarterback on their rookie contract. No talent around him, bad offensive line, coaching instability, tension in the locker room. I look at yesterday's performance and I see a guy mentally that checked out in Mac Jones. You don't need to check out, but like, did it bother you that after he got benched, he was like smiling and like laughing on the on like on the yeah the well, sideline? Do, like, what I, do you think that was about? I'll tell you what I think he was why he was laughing. What it was exasperation. He's uh-huh. like he's like, hey, good luck. You think you can do better, Bailey? Go for it because th- this team's trash. You think you don't? You think Mac Jones is 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 happy to be in New England right now? Probably not. No. No. Um. Do you think? Do you think he has, feels like he has? Do you think Mac Jones feels like he ha- he has a fair chance to go out there and compete right now compared to what he sees? Other Joe Barrow and Tua Tagliavoloa and Zach Wilson, even. I mean, all these other guys have around them and what he has around them. No, I wouldn't. Not at all. So I feel like, hey, he went in there. He, he made a few bad plays. Yeah, he was trying to yeah. force it. He, he, got, he got rattled. They want to bench him. Hey, good luck, Bailey. You think you can do better? You're going to run You're going to run into the same crap that I'm running into. Yeah. You know, and Zappy didn't look any better either. So Zappy didn't look any better at all. Have the pages ruined Mac Jones? Uh, I I kind of want to say yes. And the reason I say yes is because like it just seemed like this was such a crucial year to change that trend and to, to correct the course. And now that you're one in three, you don't have any of those studs that we had talked about, the fact you were lacking. You've lost your best defensive player and your, you know, the rest of your defensive depth has kind of gone to crap. Um, so you say, what's what is the ceiling for this Patriots team, right? And if the ceiling for this team is, you know, five, six, seven wins, uh, 
that's another failed year for Mac Jones. And it's a certain point, like we always say, how often do you see a quarterback come into the year in league five and, and light it up? You know what I mean? So right. it's like at a certain point, things either need to come to fruition or we did. We ruined him and we have to move on. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt at this point to me, his career is on the line. The rest of it. What happens over yeah. these next 13 games is going to decide a lot about his future in New England, his viability and career yeah. as an NFL quarterback. If he plays more like he did yesterday and less like he did in the first three games over the next three quarters of the season, he's done. He's not going to be the quarterback here next year. No, not a not a freaking chance. Um, yeah, in it, in it's it, again, it was just. You hated to see the step back, not only because, again, like if the Patriots had gone out there and just gotten throttled by Dallas because Dallas was a better team and we had injuries on defense and we just couldn't keep up, but Mac played like he played against the Eagles and he played like he played against the Dolphins, right? Then I could sit there and I could say, wow, this really is like 100% on Bill. This team is totally lacking. They have, you know, personnel injuries. They have injury problems, yada, yada, yada. But Mac looks good. Yesterday was like a huge step back for my confidence in Mac Jones in terms of his ability, not only to be a franchise quarterback, but to just be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Well, what it tells me is that, look, in those first three weeks, and certainly those first two weeks, they were playing a much better team, but Mac went out and played really well, and it leveled the playing field and gave them a chance in both games, even though they didn't win. What you're seeing is that when you have a bad team like this, and then the quarterback also plays bad, yeah, look out below yeah. because then you get a complete and total destruction, and that's what happened yesterday. As much as people want to crap on Mac Jones today, if Mac didn't play the way he played in those first two games, those first two games would have been like this game was yesterday. Mac gave them a chance against Philadelphia and he gave them a chance against Miami because he played well. Right. He played terrible yesterday No, yeah. and, and they got blown out of the stadium. They're not, I'll give you an example. Kirk Cousins basically gave Carolina two touchdowns on Sunday in, in Carolina and Minnesota still won the game. Yep. Why? Because they're a better team. And yep. Minnesota is no world beater. They're one and three themselves. But you see my point. When you're a bad football team, and the quarterback plays that bad, you cannot overcome that when you're playing a better team. Yeah. Well, and look at how uh, Minnesota did it. Two long touchdowns to Justin Jefferson. You know right. what I mean? One of the best wide receivers in the league. Exactly. So, you know, it allows you to, to to get bailed out and have some room for error. Exactly. So what? before we move on, we're going to move on to another topic. But what is Mac Jones's problem, Justin? What What is the problem? Because to me, People talk about his arm strength. I do not believe his arm strength is the problem. I look around this league. Joe Burrow, Tua Tagliavoloa, um, look at what Brock Purdy's doing in San Francisco. All these guys are similar in, in physical talent and ability to Mac Jones. You can be successful with Mac Jones' talent level. Mac's problem, let's just say it, it's between his ears. I've been saying it for a long time now. It's the way he handles pressure. When people talk about his ball fluttering or him not throwing a good ball. It's because he is so pressured and rattled out there that sometimes he doesn't set up and have proper mechanics throwing the ball. That's his problem. When he actually drives the ball, he throws the ball quite well. The problem is he has no confidence in himself or the people around him to give them the time to do what he needs to do. He's always hurrying. He's always forcing it. He's He's always a little rattled out there. At baseline, and then it got to another level yesterday. But to me, that's what Mac Jones's problem is. Sorry, it's not his arm. It's worse. It's between his ears. 
A hundred percent because, you know, I'll, I'll kind of build on that. The way I look at it is it really comes down to some of the crucial decision-making that he makes at, at big moments, right? And it's like, you know, there's a plenty of times where I would rather just see Mac Jones throw the ball out of bounds. Yep. And instead, he tries to step up and enforce a pass into triple coverage. Right. Launch it down the field. How many times yesterday did he, you know, don't forget, after that first interception, right, he threw the ball across the field and it was this close to being a pick six. Yep. And then he did it again and did it was it a pick six, yep. right? So it's like, you know, how many times can you make those 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 bad errant decisions um, in big moments, you know, um, before you start to say you have a decision-making problem? Like, you know, you look at the... Uh, the, the Mahomeses of the league, you know, and even like the Josh Allens, the Jalen Hurts is like, how many times are they just panicking, throwing it into triple quadruple coverage, right? It's not it's not as often as, as, as Mac. And, and that's really the issue. Is but Justin, a lot of that has to do with the people around them too, because if you have to throw it away. Right, right. If, well, if you, I mean, statistically, Mac Jones is under more pressure. He has less time to throw than I think almost any other starting quarterback in the league. I believe and that. So I'm not totally absolving Mac at all from that because I think it's like that old adage. It's a goodness of fit issue, right? You've got a kid that comes in and he has a hard time handling pressure. And then you put him on a team that is philosophically opposed to surrounding him with offensive talent. And it's like a perfect storm for a guy that's just playing rattled and tight all the time and it's really been the theme of his career and why they keep losing all these close games why they can't win against good teams why they can't finish these comebacks it's because mac jones is that kind of kid that feels the pressure and the patriots as a franchise bill belichick have done nothing to help him feel less pressured it, i mean look at even like okay on the field they're not giving him any talent how about off the field they've done nothing but undermine him the whole zappy thing last year the whole patricia and judge thing last year the strained relationship with belichick this guy might need to have maybe his confidence built a little bit he's in a place that's really seems almost like they're committed to doing the complete opposite yeah it, it they really like i look i i agree they haven't done um nearly what they should have to get this kid where he needs to be but you know at the end of the day like i said we've we've said this since day one or at least i've said this in, from you know from day one i'm able to separate i think what i interpret to be max faults versus like what i just interpret to be you know just bad choices that a court nfl quarterback shouldn't make right and I, you know sometimes the line gets blurred you know what I mean? It's not easy to always tell what's what's due to a lack of skill and what's due to, you know, the the hand that you're dealt. But I think to your point when you said earlier that you need to start seeing Mac do some of these things that some of the other quarterbacks in yep. the league are doing, this all comes back to the fact that nobody is arguing that Bill Belichick and, and the Patriots haven't done everything they should to help Mac in terms of the weapons they put around him, the supporting cast, protecting one of the offensive line, the his coaches and personnel, all of that. But eventually, we should start seeing some flashes of brilliance. We here should, and, there. and we and, really you know haven't. What I mean? Like we yeah, haven't seen enough. No, I, I, the best players, not even the best player, good players are able to show glimpses of their greatness, or even just how good they are in tough moments when maybe their team or, or isn't playing well, or the game isn't going their way, and we just. We don't see that enough from Mac Jones. We don't see it. We don't see it enough from Mac Jones, and I think even the most. Ardent Mac Jones supporter would, ha would have to admit that we don't see it no. enough. It's a trend. It's a habit. 
You know, do you remember his first pass in the league against Miami in 2021? Do you remember what happened? It was some like, it was some kind of like, he was about to get sacked and he tried to throw the ball backwards to Damian Harris and it ended up being a fumble that the Patriots recovered. Do you remember that play? Go back and look it up or find it on YouTube if you can. But like right then and there, you know, coming in his first game, ton of pressure on the kid. Made a terrible decision and almost really got burned by it. Okay, he's a rookie in his first game. You can explain that. You can understand that. We consistently see that same kind of flawed decision-making. As much as I dump on Belichick, and I would argue with anyone that they have done nothing to help this kid, I'll say this phrase again, it's been a master class in how to ruin a young quarterback. But a lot of the problem is on Mac and the way he handles pressure. He takes some of the responsibility, and and that's just the reality. My hope is that if sometime some good things start happening around him, that maybe that can build up some good momentum and he can salvage his career. But it's looking less and less likely. Well, so that, that's kind of the thing that I've been wondering this entire time is like I'm waiting for like that game that just you know like right. that just you know takes the monkey off of Mac Jones's back like right. that game where he goes out there he you know is a staple you know come from behind win just puts a stamp in the game like this was Mac Jones's you know welcome to the league game and we just haven't gotten can, it I, can I tell you something just to play the other side of the coin here and I know I'm, I'm seeing some of the responsibilities Max I'm not trying to play both sides but that game could, should have and could have been the Philadelphia game this year and what it, happens yeah. a, a rookie six round draft pick can't get his feet in bounds can't toe tap I mean and, and and, and and they end up losing the game. Like, it, yeah. it, so it's it really is it the chicken or the egg? The reality is it's really both. It's Mac and it's the way around him, the people around him, the way things have gone, the lack of support around him, which has just added more and more pressure to this kid. And right now, I hate to say it, it looks like he's crumbling. It looks like he's crumbling, or he looked like he was crumbling yesterday. And he's not going to get much more time to play as a Patriots starting quarterback if he continues to play like he did yesterday. So hopefully he'll he'll right the ship against New Orleans this week. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, speaking of New Orleans coming up, and, you know, we know that we've said that the rest of their schedule, you know, by no means is it a cakewalk, right? They definitely don't have any gimme games. Yep. But I'm hoping we also said, you know, if you can come out of the first four games with at least one or two wins, right? It wasn't pretty, but they got a win out of the first four games. They have a little bit of an opportunity to maybe build a little momentum over the next couple of yep. weeks. In- All right. Well, that that leads perfectly into what I was going to bring up to the next topic. I'm going to end Facebook Live right now. Yeah, if you yeah. like what you heard, find us on iTunes. Find us on Spotify, Dr. Football Podcast. Thanks for listening, anyone, everyone. Okay. Um, so you're you're hitting on, I think, something that's really important, which is, is it time to give up on this team? Has didn't we all say that they were they were going to be one and three after the first month, or that one and three would kind of be a stalemate? And hell and behold, they're one and three. It was the way they lost yesterday, not the fact that they lost, or the fact that they're one and three. I think that makes us feel all bad. But at the end of the day, if you're really looking for positives from that game yesterday, I really can't think of one, except for the fact that it was only one game. That's literally the only positive. I mean, your quarterback looked awful. You lost your best defensive player. Your 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 best rookie draft pick is going to be out four to six weeks. I mean, very, very few, if any, um, bright spots to take away from yesterday. I, I honestly can't think of one bright spot. I really I really can't. But 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 it was it was one of the worst games the Patriots have ever had that I can remember in all my years of being a fan. But it but the the bright spot is that 
intrinsically, it's only one game. So are you giving up on the season yet, Justin? I'm this close. You know, we talk about the Belichick doomsday clock. If As far as the, the 2023 Patriots season, that doomsday clock, we're at like – 11:59 right yeah. now like it like I'll tell you what if you if if not only if we don't get not only get a win versus New Orleans but look like a completely different team like it's not just going to be enough to go out and beat them because Jameis sucks and you know uh, and beat them 17 to 14 or something like that you know what I mean like we actually have to go out and we have to look good and play well against them and if we do that then maybe there's hope but if we lose or you know aren't able to kind of, you know, or win by the skin of our teeth uh, next week, I'm going to say the season's pretty much over. I mean, when we talk about not giving up on the season, what are we really talking about? We're talking about climbing back to mediocrity because right now they suck. Right. I mean, no one's talking about this team as, as having a path forward to being a contender. That's just not where, where I think anyone sees us. In the preseason, we said the floor was lower than the ceiling was high. And I think that's manifesting totally accurately. They need to win both of these next two games to save their season. That oh, yeah. will get them to three and three. Neither one of these two wins, New Orleans or the Raiders in, in Las Vegas, mind you, is a gimme. Both of these teams are looking at the Patriots as being games they can win too. And both of them realistically probably are more talented teams than the Patriots right now. So I think it's going to be a tall order for this team to go ahead and sweep these next two games just to get back to three and three. But even if they do, do you, do you know who they have on their schedule after the Raiders? Uh, I'm not sure. No. Miami and Miami oh, yeah. and then Buffalo at home. Oh, so. You tell me right now, could you see any way right now and things can change pretty damn fast in the NFL? We know that. It, it changes right. crazy. No one thought, you know, there's, it's unpredictable. Right now, it doesn't feel like this Patriots team would have a prayer against either Buffalo or Miami in any stadium anywhere. I agree completely. Unless it was like a blizzard like it was two years ago and, 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 and neutralized the, the game or something. No, I, I, I totally I, – right now, unless something would have changed drastically, I don't give them a, even a prayer. Right. So, so, so you're not giving up on the season, and neither am I, am I. But I think we're realistic about what the ceiling is. What? Yeah. I, I think when I say I'm not giving up on the season, I'm not giving up on the fact that we may be able to take excitement some from meaningful games at the end of the year, and, and maybe maybe have a chance or a prayer to sneak into the playoffs. Right. So let me ask you this question: Is that good enough? Is that is that what we're really about in New England? Like, are we supposed are the Patriots? supposed to be about winning championships. And we're talking about clawing our way back, not to greatness. We're talking about clawing our way back to mediocrity. And the prospect of like a, a four or five win season, Justin, is just as likely as a nine or 10 right now, if not more likely. I mean, I'll tell you what. I uh, You tell me, what's more likely? I mean- the the four and ten or whatever the four and ten season or whatever you four said and four, and 12, four and thirteen yeah way way more likely I mean it the I I think the you know the, the big problem that you have now is you know in year two of this rebuild Mac Jones's rookie year right sneaking into the playoffs beating being mediocre that was enough I don't think any of us thought that two years later we would be lucky to be in that position. You know what I mean? Like we all looked at, you know, year two of that rebuild, Max rookie year is, hey, 
hopefully we're on the right track and in a couple of years, maybe we can be back to being, uh, you know, uh, a, a divisional threat, uh, a, a Super Bowl contender. We have gone, if anything, lateral, most likely backwards in the last two years. I mean, we're hoping that we can be like Pittsburgh or Cleveland and, and be nine and eight and sneak into the playoffs. That, yeah. That's 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 the Patriots ceiling right now. And that, that really is a sad commentary on how quickly this franchise has fallen. I was someone that thought they would continue to contend for Super Bowls after Brady left. Now, maybe it wouldn't be like it was before, but I thought just having Belichick in the program, in the system, they would win 11 games a year, 10 games a year, 12 games here and there. They develop another quarterback. They would surround them appropriately with talents and and the, the party would continue. Yep. And, and it's really the complete opposite. They are closer right now. And you can tell me if you agree with this. They are closer right now, in my opinion, to the bottom of the league. They are closer right now to the number one pick than they are to the Super Bowl. I'll put it that way. 100%. Yeah. Right? Easy. Yeah, it's it's a sad state of affairs. All right, let's talk a little about this defense, Justin. Yesterday, I, I felt like, to me, they lost their two best players, which is arguably their two best players in, in Christian Gonzalez and um, and Matthew Judon, which, which is daunting for the future. They got a couple weeks here where they're not necessarily playing great quarterbacks that will help them. Maybe they can get Jack Jones and Jonathan Jones back. This defense in yesterday, I hate to say it, it was more boogeymen than it was 85 Bears. For all the hopes from all the fans in New England that this would be a elite defense that this team had and that they could win games with this defense, they did not look elite against a really, I'd say, a good but not great offense in Dallas and an above-average quarterback, but certainly not a great one. In Prescott, this defense looks closer to the boogeyman than the elite defense most people hoped they would be. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was you know it was super tough to watch, and it's funny because we said you know uh, we looked at kind of the two strengths of this this defense, and we said, well, you know, hopefully the, you know the, their front seven will be able to get after it, right? Led by Matt Judon, and then we said, uh, well, we love that they have uh, depth in their secondary, right? And now they have no match you on and no depth in their secondary. Poof, so all gone, all gone. Right. And it's funny because, you know, you talk about depth, right. And for some teams, you know, losing one guy and being able to handle, you know, it, that can be considered depth. The Patriots, unless something changes going into next week, they're going to be down to what? Their fourth and fifth cornerbacks on yes, their depth chart? Yes. Sean, they had Sean Wade, Sean Wade and, Miles and Miles Bryan out there. Miles Bryan, I think, is already number four or five yep. on the depth chart yep. at cornerback. So, you know, you look at that, plus the fact that their front seven just got that much less imposing. Um, and you say, wow, if this defense did have a chance to be elite, I think it's gone. And look, New Orleans and... Vegas are not great football teams, no, but, but they can sling it. Yeah. Jimmy can sling it. They got the Raiders got Devontae Adams. The um, Saints got Chris Olave. Jameis Winston, we know he turns the ball over. Guy can throw the ball yeah. and he's put up big numbers. You're going against um, a makeshift patchwork Patriots secondary. That That's a tough spot for the Patriots to be in. They're going to have to shut down Very difficult. Winston, a guy that we, we know can sling the ball a little. Let's talk, Justin, a little bit about the wide receiver core in New England. Um, the famous quote from the preseason from, I think it was Kendrick Bourne, that they were stink, stank, and stunk. I was hoping that maybe Kendrick Bourne knew something the rest of us didn't when he said that, that he was kind of mocking us for doubting 
this wide receiver core. But frankly, that's exactly what they've been in the first month of the year. They are a terrible wide receiver core. I'm going to say something I never thought I would say before because I never loved this player. And I thought he was a below average player. And I thought he was replaceable. And I still think he's replaceable. But they miss Jacoby Myers desperately on this team. And that's an indictment on them more than it's a compliment to Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is a four. Maybe he's a three. But the reason he was successful here is they don't even have anyone that can just be stable. Be a stable three or four. They don't even have that still on this roster right now. Myers was their only guy. I have zero problem with him walking away from Jacoby Myers, but they had to replace him with someone that 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 could fill that void or better. And the reality is Juju Smith-Schuster is terrible. He cannot get open. He's injured. He's slow. He looks like his career is over. And Tyquan Thornton looks like a total bust. I have low expectations for when he comes back next week. This receiver core is in trouble, Justin. Big time. Um, you know, it's funny because when I, anytime we see, you know, one of them have an average or an okay performance, you know, we'll say, oh, you know, Kendrick Bourne's not that bad or, you know, Devontae Parker didn't look bad today. And like that may be the case, but do we ever see one of them and, you know, say, wow, that's a wide receiver one. That's a that's a DK Metcalf out there. That's a, a, a Jamar Chase out there. Like you don't. So like, like their sailings is like, a good game. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're never going to get like a game where one of them goes out and just dominates. I think they have two number three receivers. That's yeah. Bourne and Parker. Yeah. They have no number one. They have no number two and they have no real slot guy. Yeah. No speed, no yeah. playmaking. Don't forget this team went out of their way to re-up Park, Devonta Parker this off season when they really didn't have to. And what we were told at the time is, oh, well, that isn't going to affect our ability to bring in DeAndre Hopkins. I'm sorry. That was a mistake to resign this guy. This guy, Devonta Parker, the New England Patriots have gone all in on him for some reason now two times. We've watched this guy play for a season and a quarter. What point in that time has Devonta Parker shown you that he is worthy of the kind of investment that this franchise has made in him? To me, not at all. Never. Yeah. Never. He looks like a three slash four receiver. He's probably good for 30 to 50 catches a year and, and three or four touchdowns. Why are you making a commitment to this guy? You find a guy off the scrap heap that can do that. Exactly. Yeah. Another big mistake, a, a Belichick personal mistake. And then Demario Douglas, like, look it. He's he's a nice little prospect. He had an awesome spin move yesterday. Just stop it. Stop it with the Demario Douglas stuff. He's a rookie undrafted player for a reason. If he is your hope, if he is your playmaker, you are absolutely screwed. He's a rookie undrafted. What is he? What is so special about this guy that Patriots fans think he's going to save the day? He sucks too. I'm sorry. He's nothing special. He'll catch a ball or two a week. That's it. They need so much more than that. Yeah. You know, he might be... He, Someone like him, you know, you can't really appreciate them unless they have a number one and a number two ahead of them. You know what I mean? Right. Like you see, you get to see like 
you know, and you look across the league, like you look at some of these young wide receivers that come in and they get to kind of work their way into, you know, like guys like Jordan Addison, right? Who gets to start behind a Justin Jefferson. Yeah, that's a Devante, perfect example. Devontae Smith gets to start behind a, an AJ Brown, right? And it's like these guys get to come in, come into their own, acclimate themselves, grow and develop without having to be that one, that number one guy right away. And, you know, you could look and say, hey, oh, well, you know, throwing, you know, throwing Pop Douglas in the number one role right away, it's only just going to, uh, elevate his his advancement and prepare him for that further. But if anything, I think it, it hinders him a little bit because you're you're forcing a kid to play outside of his capabilities right now, and that's not good for him uh, mentally or physically. It's it's madness to think that yeah. a rookie undrafted rookie can come in and be someone you can rely on. Uh, it just yeah. it doesn't happen. It's happened. I mean, like Edelman had 30-something catches in his rookie year. His second and third year, he was like non-existent. He didn't become a reliable target until his fourth, fifth, sixth years. Yeah. You know, Victor Cruz is someone that came in and, and was a really good player in his rookie year. Anquan Bolden, you're, you're cherry-picking a few examples. A guy comes in every five years and, and does that as a rookie from – being an undrafted or low-round guy. It just doesn't happen. It's right. not fair to DeMario Douglas. I no. don't blame DeMario Douglas for that. I blame Bill Belichick for that. No, he's actually playing all right for an undrafted free agent. He's all it's right. Just, yeah, it's just not what you need him or need a, out if of a number one. If he's your playmaking, you have no playmaking. Right. And, and, and Patriots fans need to accept that. All right, Justin, let's let's move on now. We're going to move forward to the rundown. This is where we kind of discuss some of the in-game stuff that happened, kind of break it down through the series of the game, talk about what we thought about some of the key inflection points. Yep. I got to start in the first series, Justin. Patriots had a gorgeous drive on the opening um, possession after the Cowboys scored their opening field goal. Mac Jones had a couple really nice passes. First of all, on third down, Mike Gusecki, you have to catch that ball. That was actually a great throw by Mac Jones. There was two Dallas defenders there. He couldn't throw it any lower or would have been intercepted. Yeah. He put it where Mike Gusecki could get it. This is your big free agent signing. You made an investment in this player, a catchable ball. You have to catch that ball and get six on the board there. You, yeah, 100%. That, you know, granted, looking at how the way the rest of the game unfolded, you know, you don't know what that really would have changed in the grand scheme of things, but it could have. It, it definitely could have. It could. Well, I'll tell you one thing it would have changed, Mac Jones's confidence level. Yeah. Because because this is a kid that that we already said feels the pressure in, and and get, and got out of sorts on, on Sunday. So... Starting off with a touchdown is going to build him some confidence. How do you think he feels when he throws a perfect pass on a third down and the tight end doesn't make the play? Oh, here we go again. Another drop pass. Two weeks ago, the guy couldn't get his feet in. A week after that, the guy the guy dropped it. Now, now here we are again, and, and the guy doesn't make the play. Yeah. Yeah. How about the play after that, Justin? Fourth and one, first series of the game. You're at the three-yard line. What do you think about the decision to kick the field goal there? See, this is what I was alluding to earlier when I'm like, you know, I, I've watched them be aggressive and go for it a few times earlier this year. And I kept thinking to myself, like, I think I'd rather the points here. In that situation, I was so bummed that they didn't get in there and try to pick up a first down. I mean, like, that is like a prototypical, I feel like, if you if you were going to go for it, like – when, what better time than that? It's a three-point game. It's the opening drive. You know, if you you don't get it, you got them pinned up in the goal line. Like, what's better? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you have to go for it. You're you're the underdog team on the road against a better team, undergoing a crisis of confidence. You have to take chances. That was the perfect spot to go for it. And what does Belichick do? Kicks a field goal. And oh, by the way, 
it became a moot point because they took a false start penalty anyways. It ended up being fourth and six, but it was just typical Patriots just being totally out of sync, you know, not going for it when they should, and then and then and then kicking when they should go for it. Yep. All right. What about the um the other big time they did go for it? And this is to your point, I think Mac Jones on a quarterback sneak on really what was a fourth and two. The Patriots go for that decision. I have zero problem with that decision to go for it. That that was immediately before the strip sack, or yeah. a little. That was a series before I think the second series of the game, and I love that they went for it on there. And I don't question that decision at all. But what I do question is the call. What are they doing running that? That what do they call it? The uh, the the brotherly shove yeah, play. Yeah. That look at Jalen Hurts can squat six hundred and fifty pounds. Mac Jones can't. What and and that was not just a one yard that they had to pick up. It was really more like two. It was a terrible play call. You got to run a play there, a real play. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, like that's another perfect example. It's like they're a team that's impersonating a team that is aggressive in like. And it, it, it knows what they're doing. Like when they try to be aggressive, it's out of place and it's out of sorts. Like it's just the wrong time and it's the wrong thing. I, I thought Ramondre Stevenson was like their best player. You got a fourth and one and a half and, and you give the ball to Mac Jones. Now, if it's fourth and a half yard or fourth and inches, a true fourth and inches, then yes, by all means, you can run a quarterback That's, sneak, yeah. run that. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine a quarterback like Mac Jones, who's like, Barely 6'3", 215 pounds, right? Diminutive as far as NFL quarterbacks go. Not known as a strong or powerful guy. You're asking him to pick up almost two yards in the middle of a pig pile. It, it just didn't make any sense. No, it didn't make sense to me either. And I, and I watched it and I, just, I was thinking to myself, like, just what a wasted play call. What a dumb decision. W- dumb decision. Yeah. W- waste of a play call. A stupid call by the Patriots. Um, let's talk about the strip sack. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I, I do want to bring it up again. You can look at all three of Mac or Mac Jones's turn, or at least the first two, and you can see a play and the few plays preceding it where Jones did the same thing and it worked. And then he got burned by it. For example, on that strip sack, he hit Demario Douglas on an identical play for a 41 yard pass on the first drive, comes out two possessions later yeah. and gets absolutely clobbered. You know, I, I do believe Mac has to protect the ball better, but Let's not also ignore the fact that Valerian Lowe got absolutely turnstile on that play. Yeah, he did. Well, you know, it, if you think about it, though, that guy, like Max, that's, I guess that's what I'm saying, where, you, you know, you, you, a decision has to be made. That guy came from all around, you know, yep. the, the strong side and yep. got all the way back to Mac, who had yep. rolled back out to his blind side. Yes. So that, this guy, ro- you know, this guy came and did a, made a giant And, and why did he have loop. so much momentum? Because he wasn't touched. Right, literally, he wasn't touched. He was literally untouched. Right, but in, in the, I'm sure he, by the time he got all the way around and got back to Mac's weak side, he probably said, holy crap, he's still here with the ball. So, I, I mean, I mean, clearly Mac has that better, better pocket presence and awareness. He needs to throw the ball away in that situation, not yeah. take those chances, but yeah. I'm sorry. Like that was also piss poor blocking Valerian Lowe. I mean, again, you traded a sixth round draft pick for him 10 days before the season started. What are you expecting? Is it possible that I could say he's exceeded expectations, but he still sucks? Because that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that that would probably be the best way to put it, honestly. And that and that's when the game got ugly at that point because at that point it was 17 to or 16 to 3. And then after that touchdown on the strip sack, that's when the Cowboys did the two-point conversion um, yeah. successfully. That is the first 
fake extra point for a two-point conversion since the NFL moved the extra point back to the 15-yard line. Is it? Yep. That was the first one. There you go. Yep. And it worked beautifully. <laughs> they were, I feel like the Cowboys were just rubbing their nuts in Bill Belichick's face at that yeah. point. Like you, you got to figure Belichick has a lot of enemies around the league for just all the shit he's done and said and his attitude. And he's so arrogant and condescending and the way he treats the media and the way he treats people around the league and all the little personality skirmishes he's had over the years. We yeah. know Litany 20, 30 years of that crap. Now that he is like getting kind of served, people are going to want to kick him while he's down. I'm sorry. And that's exactly what that two point conversion was. Oh, that was, that was the ultimate, like, you know, cheap shot, like just jab, jab a dude after he's been hit. Like, yeah. And, and if anything, that to me was like, seal the deal. Because that was like, not only are they beating us, but they're toying with us. They were toying with us. Yeah. 100% toying with us, messing with us. And and a team only does that, I think, when they think they can get away with it. For sure. And the reality is the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy felt like the game was over already. They did not feel like the Patriots could come back from 15 points down. No. So they said, we'll do this. And if it costs us a point, hey, big deal, because we're going to clobber this team. And they were, by the way, 100% right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then lastly, Justin, let's talk about Mac Jones's two interceptions, key turning points in the game. One thing I want to say, first of all, on the first interception, he did the same thing about five plays, four plays before that, and it worked. I thought it was profoundly stupid at the time. He was rattled. He was rattled from the strip sack. And then if you remember, in between the strip sack and the first interception, there was a pass to Devonta Parker where he just like straight up missed him, like straight up missed him, was late yeah. on the delivery and like didn't set his feet and like flicked up this like lob ball to Parker that nearly got picked off um, yeah. over the middle. Yes. You know, he was all, I said at that point, this was before he even threw a pick. I, I was sending on a group thread with text messages to a few friends. And I sent the message out, Mac is completely rattled right now. Three plays later, three or series later, he throws the first pick six. And he throws the pass across his body to Bourne. And I'm like, this kid is so rattled, but he got away with it. And then does it again the second time. What can you say? Oh, I mean, if you if you want to count the pass to Bourne, which you should, that was actually the third time before it burnt him. He got away with it the first time. The second time it was... Damn near a pick six. The third time it was a pick six. So yeah. it was like, how many chances does he want to do something that they teach quarterbacks not to do on day one? Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. It was, it was awful. And then um the, the the last interception at that point it's fourth and one. You're down 30 something to three, 31 to three, I think, in the third quarter. I felt like that was at that point, Mac had just given up. I, I feel like that's a pass Mac would not throw in a close game. But hey, it's fourth and one. I'm throwing this up there. I, I think he just kind of resigned to the fact they were going to lose. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think at that point, he had no will left. Okay, let's talk, Justin, now. I think we need to wrap and put the close the book on that garbage, garbage game from yesterday and yeah. hope for better results next week. Oh, one last thing I want to bring up before... Do you, before we move to the league, do you think Jerry Jones and Bob Kraft talked last night? I would love to know what Jerry Jones, if they got like a cell a phone call or something last night at like nine o'clock at night, I would love to know what Jerry Jones said to Robert Kraft. Yeah, I would, yeah, being a fly on the wall for that conversation. I mean, the two are pretty close, right? I mean, yeah. you know, they've done a They're lot. They're close. And don't yeah. forget, Jerry Jones is the guy that fired Tom Landry, you know? 
and I mean, I mean, what's happening to Belichick, and this is before I was a fan. This is like late, early, mid eighties, you know, a little before my time. Jerry Jones is the guy that fired Landry. I mean, yeah. Landry was a legend. He won several Super Bowls himself. And his last five or six years were very much like what Belichick is experiencing right now. I, I would love to know what Jones and Kraft talked about last night. Yeah. I, I, I mean, hey, the, the only reason why, I guess, you know, actually, no. No, no, no. I, scratch that from the record. I could 100% see Kraft taking a page out of Jones's book now and, and doing it. I think, but, you know, beforehand, I couldn't really see it. I can definitely see it now. Let's move on, Justin, to the rest of the league. I, I want to start with, with a couple. There's some great games yesterday and some great stuff to talk about. We all have anointed Joe Burrow as an elite guy. He is playing like absolute dog crap right now. And I don't think it's just his 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 calf. I think I think there's more going on than that. He got eviscerated by Jamar Chase, by the way, after the game, more or less, the other day, who basically said, I'm open all the time, throw me the ball. It seems to me that there are some guys we make excuses for right from the beginning. High draft picks like Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, guys that come in and have a fast start, guys that are likable. Some guys get excuses made for them and some guys don't. We make a lot of excuses for Joe Burrow. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a terrific player, but he has been surrounded by great talent, generally speaking, in that Bengals system. You can't deny that. And I just compare him to say Mac Jones, right? Or, you know, someone of that ilk. And, you know, look at what Burroughs had and look at what Max had as being like just stark contrast to like having good supporting cast and having a terrible supporting cast. A great quarterback is supposed to elevate the people around him, no matter who it is. We've clearly seen that Mac can't do that. Are we kind of seeing that Burrow, while he's a very good player and certainly a better player than Mac, might not be that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes level that we're all kind of assume he was? So, I I mean, I just might be biased. I still personally think he is. You know, I, I, look, at, I look at Joe Burrow and I, I think to myself, you know, this is a guy who – has had zero of the last two off seasons to to prepare and gel with his team, right? And as a result, the Bengals have gotten off to to two slow starts. I mean, hell, if you wanna if you wanna take it back, I mean, you know, he comes off of a torn ACL, right? And then after coming off of a torn ACL, he has to go into last season um, with a torn appendix, right? He he injured his appendix. He he missed the whole off season, and then this this off season he strains his calf pretty badly, right? Missed the entire off season. So I look at a guy and I say, look, this is a guy who did not get uh, a full off season, a full preseason to sink and gel with his team. He's clearly playing injured right now. And this is almost like the preseason for him. Like this is really the first work he's getting like with his guys. So I'm willing to give him a little bit of an excuse just because what we saw from him in the past, like if this was just another random guy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, you know, so, uh, He's, so he's likable. He's yeah. He's very likable. He, he's been successful. His first impression he made right. on the American public was that he's a winner. Right. I'm just saying, like you know, he might be a little overrated. I know, I know, I know. That's crazy. Everyone loves him. You know, he's the next Brady. Blah blah blah. But I, I know yep. you're his biggest champion, and you've been pro Joe Burrow from the time he came in the league. 
I, I don't know. I'm just watching this year, and I, I just I get it. He's hurt. I just I just wonder if he's well. A little to, to your point, if this is a repeated, you know, because he's been bad. No, he's been bad. For he's been sure. worse than Mac Jones. Has been. For sure, for sure. I will look to your point. If this is if if it's repeated and it you know it doesn't right itself eventually, then yeah, we might have a bigger problem. But I mean, he's got good talent around him. You know, very yeah. Let's talk, Justin, about a team that you were high on and I was low on. I'll admit I was wrong about. If you were to look at all the rosters of all 32 teams in the NFL right now, short of the Kansas City Chiefs, you find me one team that has more players with Super Bowl experience than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's probably not anyone else. I mean, the, the Rams have totally gutted out in two years. The Buccaneers have a lot of winners and guys that have won on yeah. that roster. I'm watching that team play. They play hard. They have some talented players, but those talented players are experienced players that have won. It looks a little to me like the residue of, of, of winning and maybe even a little bit the residue of Brady yeah. still resonates a little yeah. with that group. The way they played yesterday, they play fierce. They, they they play they play like they have an edge to them. Yep. They play like they feel like they've been discounted because Brady's gone. There are a lot of guys on that team that won Super Bowls that have been in playoff games. Tampa Bay looks like a three and one, uh, 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 um, the best team in that division, I, I think, right now. Yeah, I, it, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, this is a team that is weirdly like very complete and experienced, and they were getting written off by everybody. But, um, you know, you look at them, you have two, you, you know, you got veteran weapons, right, in the offensive side of the ball. You you know, you have the the infrastructure of, of an O-line and a defense that went to and won a Super Bowl. And you got a quarterback who is kind of got kind of got an unfair rep when he was ousted from his 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 starting job and now he's looking to redefine himself and, and he's looked pretty damn good. He's looked pretty Baker damn good. Mayfield. Yeah, and and again it's like I you know, he looked pretty damn good but um I'm kind of looking at people like, why are you shocked? Like, it's not like he was a bad quarterback in Cleveland. He might not, he wasn't Tom Brady in Cleveland, but he, he didn't deserve to get ousted from there. Um, so yeah, I, I, I this Tampa Bay team is, it, it's really, uh, really interesting. To see I they're think doing. they're an interesting team. Yeah. I really do. I think they're an interesting team because, because they just, the, the rebuild and that core that, and you, you said this back in the preseason, cause I picked them to be one of the worst teams in the league, but yeah. you said this, that core that they built around Brady, there's more of those pieces in place still yeah. than, than, than meets the eye. When you really look at, at that roster, they have some good players. They do. And, and, and putting an average quarterback, even if Mayfield is an average quarterback. Yeah. On there, that means they're going to be good in that division. Let's talk about another team that, that's vying uh, um, for a division, but maybe not quite as well. And that is uh, Kenny Pickett and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. It looks now like Kenny might be out. Pickett might be out for the year with an so ACL injury. So I actually, I just, I got an update of, uh, about 15 minutes ago. They okay. said it's not expected to be severe. He actually may play the next game. Well, here's my question. That's interesting. Because in case you haven't noticed, I know that he got like the preseason hype MVP award. He sucks. He he sucks so far this year. Guy threw seven touchdowns and 11 picks last year. He was anointed this preseason. What has he done in the first four weeks to make you feel like he's a, he's a good player? And you can't make as many excuses for him because as you could for, say, someone like Mac, because they have good talent on that team and great coaching. So are the Steelers potentially better off? 
with Mitchell Trubisky as their quarterback, I don't really think it's a drop-off. I look at the Steelers as the exact same team, whether they have Ken Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky as their quarterback. Yeah, you know what? It's the, the Steelers are actually a good example of a team that doesn't really lose much from, from losing a starting quarterback. And, you know, not to say that, granted, if push came to shove, I would slightly rather take Kenny Pickett over uh, Mitch Trubisky. But to your point, I think the difference is negligible enough to the fact, like, to the point where you're not going to see a major difference from this offense of this team one way or another. I, I'm not sure about that. Like, I, I really think, you know, Trubisky had, at his best, a better year than than what we've ever seen from Kenny Pickett in twenty something starts so far. Just saying, just saying, you know. Yeah, he. I mean, hey, and he's another guy who was drafted high, lost his, you know, lost his starting job, and you know, I'm sure he's looking for a chance to. Get I mean, up he had there one and, year in Chicago, I think, where he threw like twenty five or twenty six touchdowns, twelve picks, and look, and then and then he fell apart. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but we haven't even seen anything approaching that from Kenny Pickett. Yeah, and there's a lot of talent on that team. Okay. Um, in the AFC East, Justin, on Sunday, the Buffalo Bills made a statement. This is still the Buffalo yeah, Bills division. Big statement. Right? I mean, that was the statement on Sunday. Do you agree with me that 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 it's still the Bills division to, to, at this point? Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, the Bills, the Bills remind you or reminded us of what it really means to be a complete team, right? And as much praise as Miami gets, you know, Mike McDaniels is, you know, this whiz kid and they got this high-flying offense with Tua and Jalen and Tyreek. Really, it goes to show you that a complete team is – is is going to win, you know, more often than just, you know, a, a flashy offense. Right. And what, and what right. it reminds me too is that, it, look, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And how often does the team that we think is the best team in week three end up winning the Super Bowl? Very, does yeah, it very, very little, rarely, very right? Little, and, yeah. and so we're, all, we're already the crown Miami, but Buffalo, there's a lot of football left to be played. Buffalo showed yesterday they're still the dominant team in, 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 the, um, in the league. Now, I know the game was in their stadium, but they just look like the better team, the more complete team. Complete team. It's so important to remember, we're still so early on. And like every year, there are teams that start fast and end slow or start slow and end fast. And we've seen teams that, that have been three and four win the Super Bowl. Yes. And, and we've seen teams that have been seven and oh and not make the playoffs. It happens all the time. So... You know, I, I look at what Buffalo did yesterday, and that fast start for Miami. I have, I, I still see a ton of Pete Carroll in Mike McDaniel, um, the coach. But I mean, young Pete Carroll, and and I just feel like, hey, Buffalo showed it's still their division. They're still the dominant team in the AFC East. Um, Justin, let's take a quick look back at the Goff and Stafford trade from a few years ago. The Lions in Detroit. Now, this is the third season, believe it or not, since that trade. Yeah. The Rams won the Super Bowl in the first season. Um, this to me looks like a win-win trade, which is kind of rare in the NFL. Yeah. Jared Goff and the Lions, huge win on Thursday night in Green Bay. They look like they're for real. They do look like they're for real. This was, you know, and this was a team that I, you know, I got to eat crow on because I said I wasn't buying into the offseason hype. I said I thought they still had a bottom of the barrel defense. Um, they weren't the best on the road. Well, guess what? They went into Kansas City. They won. They went into Green Bay. They won, right? Like this is a team that I, you know, they're good. They're talented. Jared Goff is playing well. When they get CJ Gardner Johnson back in that secondary, um, 
I mean, it's going to be a scary team. They're actually weirdly playing themselves into the the tippity top of the NFC. Not that it's hard to get up there because there's only like two other teams up there right. with them. But they're separating themselves from the rest of the NFC. I wonder if they play either Philadelphia or, or 49ers. They must play They must play one of them at some point. But th- those will be great matchups. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting how they match up. They, they, they certainly are arguably the third best team in the NFC right now. Yeah, I would, I would agree. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the suck bowl that happened yesterday between the Broncos and the Bears. The Bears look to me like they're they're circling the drain on a tailspin. I said last week I think Eberflus is the first coach to get fired. That was before the disaster yeah. that was yesterday. Justin Fields showed a lot yesterday, but then once again, when it really came down in the end, couldn't win the game. A couple huge turnovers late, probably cost his team the game. Big fumble and then a turnover on the last drive. I don't think the Broncos really proved much to me yesterday, except that they were just the less sucky of two really sucky teams. Like I'm not, I don't think yeah. that was a turning point for Denver. No. I don't think that team is is on the right direction. I think they're still one of the worst teams in the AFC. Yeah, I, you know, I, I really couldn't agree more. Um, I don't think you know it's going to right the ship for Denver. I am checking something real quick because I, yeah, I, I want to make a statement, but I don't, I don't want to sound sound dumb when I say this. So I, I'm going to double check, but. Russell Wilson, right? Do you think like he's been the problem with the Broncos this year? Because I'm looking at him right now. The guy's got eight touchdowns, two interceptions through four games. He's played better. Yeah. There's no doubt he's played better. I, I mean, mean, I mean, he's he hasn't been their biggest problem. Their biggest problem is the defense. Right. The defense sucks. And that was the defense that a lot of people thought were going to be the backbone of this team. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I think Denver still has a lot of rebuilding left to do. <clears throat> I don't know if Wilson is the long term answer at quarterback. I don't think you can say that based on yesterday's game because the Bears are terrible too. But but to your point, there are a lot of problems with that team that go beyond uh, Russell Wilson. Justin, let's talk quick about Zach Wilson last night. He played the best game of his career against the Kansas City Chiefs. If that the Zach Wilson we saw last night is the Zach Wilson we see for the rest of the season. The Jets are back, and they will be maybe not a Super Bowl team, but they will not be a cupcake. No, I mean they definitely uh, looked a lot better last. Night. I mean, the, you know, look sometimes, you know, you, you, your team you get up for a big primetime game. You know, you get the defending Super Bowl chance coming to town. Um, you know, you, it kind of elevates everybody a little bit. I personally don't think we're going to see that again out of the Jets next week. But like you said. That is a complete enough team that if they can just get mediocrity out of their quarterback, they're formidable. Exactly. And one more NFL take for you. If Christian McCaffrey is healthy, the 49ers are going to be so hard to beat. And and we all know McCaffrey's not going to stay healthy. That guy gets hurt. He's getting older. He always gets hurt. The way he plays the game, size, whatever – He's going to get hurt at some point. The best the 49ers can hope for is that his injury happens in a way that lets him be around for the playoffs, in my opinion. But hypothetically, if that guy could make it 17 games and they don't suffer, it seems like they always get major injuries to some of their best players. If that team stays healthy and CMC stays healthy, the 49ers are going to be super tough to beat. Like they're going to, they're going to be like 15 and two or 16 and one. Very tough. I mean, they look like a machine right now. I mean, yeah, they're just clicking on all cylinders. It's tough to find a weak spot in their game. Like you almost have to say that unless they do catch the injury bug. I mean, you know, what, what's going to take them out? Right. I mean, they're the best team in the NFL right now. I think, I think it goes so. without yeah. saying, right? Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's wrap it up. Um, one last thing before we do, 
Saints game this week for the Patriots, Justin. <clears throat> what are your thoughts? Um, this is an absolute must-win game. We're back to that situation again. If you lose this game, I think you're in a position where you're talking about potentially trading off assets at the trade deadline. And I hate to say this, I would not be surprised if they lose this week, if they trade Mac Jones at some point, because I think it's at that point. Um, and, and I think Jones, frankly, doesn't want to, I think Jones, I don't want to say he doesn't want to be here. I don't think Jones feels supported. And I don't think he feels like he's being given the tools he needs to be successful. And I think he would not be against a trade or be sad if he got traded. If they lose this week and fall to one and four, I think that's where they're, they're headed to a four or five win season at best. And and, and I think a, a sell-off of assets come to the approaching trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at both of these teams, both of these teams coming off of a bad loss, right? You know, New Orleans two and two, you're one and three. I mean, whoever loses this is going to have a real uphill battle for the rest of the season. Um yeah, I, I expect it to be a dogfight. I really do. I expect it to be two teams in a desperate situation, um, you know, both battling the injury bug a little bit, but both kind of similar in the sense that you don't know what you're going to get out of your quarterback. You have a good but not a great defense, um, and you've both shown that you can be very inconsistent. And, and don't forget, before we go, you know, saying, oh, the Patriots are going to beat the Saints because – Derek Carr's out and Jameis Winston's going to be the quarterback. Don't forget, Jameis Winston beat the Patriots in Gillette yes. two years ago. Yeah. I mean, really. And that was a very frustrating game because the Patriots <clears throat> almost came back in it. You know, I, I don't think it, it makes the Saints a pushover just because Jameis Winston's a quarterback, especially yeah. if, if Gonzalez is out, which we right. think he's going to be. Tough game, season on the line. And, hey, if you win this game, you've got a chance, I think, to push back to 500 with a very winnable game the following week. And, you know, season's on. You know, you're, you're probably going to lose the next two games and be three and five, but then they got the commanders and the Colts after that. You're pushing 500 into November. You're right in it. You know, right. maybe some of your young guys develop. It's not that far away. But if you drop one of these two games, if you can't beat the Raiders and you can't beat the Saints, what are you doing? Then it's time to sell off. If, if that's the, you know, if you get to that point, like if you go out and lose to the Saints next week, like, do you try to play for Caleb Williams? Exactly. Yeah, you no, know, you, like, I think you, I really do. I really think you do. Yeah. And, and, and like, don't forget, like there, there is still a rationale or hypothesis. You can argue the Patriots have played four of the best team, three, three of their four games have come against three of the best teams in the NFL. That's true. Also right? true. And so you could argue that when you get and you start playing some mediocre teams, <clears throat> all of a sudden your quarterback's going to look better. Your offense is going to look better. This was trial, baptism by fire. This was baptism by fire for Bill yeah. O'Brien and the new Mac Jones, the new Bill O'Brien system, really going against three of the best teams in the league in the first four weeks. And the, the fourth game, the game they won, <clears throat> was against a team that wasn't one of the best teams in the league, but is one of the best defenses in the league. And so it was just a tough first month for them for a lot of reasons. If this team, maybe, this team may not be as bad as they have looked on offense, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. We're gonna see this week, if, if Matt comes out and has a good game and throws like three touchdowns and they look good, I'm gonna look at that first five games and I'm gonna say, hey, you know, they've played some damn tough defenses. And, you know, I think, I think you know, when the schedule lightens up a little, it's gonna it's gonna really show that they're a better offense than than we think they are. 
For sure. You just hope that because of the, the losses they've suffered on defense, that you're not going to see this, this reversal where now all of a sudden the offense, you know, picks it up and our defense can't keep us in games. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with that. But I think Jonathan Jones and Jack Jones coming back as much as great as Gonzalez has been. I feel like that's going to balance that. And look, it's tough losing Judon, but they have some good pass rushers. They, they've drafted Keon White. They have Josh Uche. Yeah. Dietrich Wise is an underrated player. I mean, he's their best player. It's a big blow. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think, I think that ultimately this team's path back to respectability really depends on the development of this offense to, re to being a respectable offense. Like, I think I think their defense, we know they're a good but not great defense. I think that's pretty well established what they are, with or without Matt Judon. In my opinion, Judon helps, but he's it's not the thing where Judon's going to make them the 2,000 Ravens all of a sudden either. Right. Like, they need an offense to win some games. Completely. And, and that's going to depend on a lot of factors there. So this is a big test, if only because – this is a good but not great New Orleans defense. It's still a damn good defense, by the way. New Orleans is not a bad defense. Right. This is a good defense. I they mean, are. They, they're just not quite maybe on the level of the Eagles or the Jets or the um, or maybe the Cowboys. I don't know. But but they're not top level, but they're second tier. They're probably right on par with where the Patriots are in terms of the league. So I would say, yeah. So, like, this is still not going to be a game where you're probably going to be able to chuck the ball up and down the field. Like, it would be great to get – a game against a bad defense. That's what this team needs right now. They need, a get, they need a get right confidence yeah, boost. A confidence boost. They, yeah. need, they need a game against, a, like against the Vikings or something like yeah. they had last year. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have. We'll see what happens this week. And hopefully we'll be talking about taking a first step back to writing the ship this weekend, this week when we record next Monday. I want to thank everyone that took the time to listen to this podcast. Have a great week. <clears throat> Enjoy the week. Enjoy football. We'll catch you next Monday night, everyone. <laughs>